Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful.com, here with a name you know. You might have known him as Aiden English, but you're going to know him as Matt Raywold. At least I hope that's how you're going to na- or know him because uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name. <laughs> that's fine. It's kind of, it used to be one of my secret weapons. It was yeah. always how I could tell when a telemarketer was calling. Oh, nice. And the minute you pick up, hello, Mr. Reholt, it's like, goodbye, click. Later, later. That's. Okay, I go by a three-person name, Sean Ross Sapp, and I know if somebody calls me Sean Sapp, they either have known me my entire life or they do not know me at all. So like that, <laughs> that that's mine. It's like I go, I, I do the three the three name gimmick, buddy. You gotta you gotta know know this stuff. But you got a lot going on, man. It seems like every time that I I see so, you post something, it's like okay, there's a Twitch channel. All right, there's a YouTube channel. You're talking whiskey with Seamus. There's something going on all the time. <laughs> with you dude i mean i can't sit still it's it's like it's a blessing and a curse i mean it keeps me motivated keeps me active always wanted to do stuff but like yeah i can't i can't stop moving i always i i've always said i have a problem with i can never and this is what led me to wrestling man i can't just be like a fan of something and just like enjoy it i have to go do it yeah uh like, I can't just sit – I got to go and try and do something. It's always been a thing. And it seems like when you do something, you, you're you able to monetize it as well, which is pretty awesome. Like, like it seems like you go into it and you're like, all right, I, c- I could do this and maybe maybe even make a living at doing this by, by the looks of it. Because I look up and down your channel and, like, it's produced well. You've got a ton of content. You've got a lot of different stuff on there. You've got interviews. You've got top five lists. There's a lot of stuff there. I mean, it's just, that's just, I mean, that's all just me putting in the time. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a good example. That's what passion can kind of get to you. 
can uh, can do for you because it, it makes it like anything it makes it so it's not work and so that just becomes like second nature and for, as far as like the wrestling with whiskey stuff that was like and i've said this before but it was kind of like the only other thing outside of wrestling that i got that passionate about and really quickly only over the past like two three years and i've just really started to run away with it yeah, it's, it's been really cool to kind of see that. I think it was Dana Brooke I talked to last month, and she said that this time off, like, she almost felt guilty being at home, not traveling, not doing anything. This has been the first time you've probably been home for an extended period of time. I mean, I know you oh, haven't been God. in the ring as much over the last year, but you've been traveling a lot for most of your adult life. Yeah, no, this that's probably one of the weirdest things, too, is just this, like, stillness that i'm not used to yeah. like even when we first shut down yeah like i think that was the first time in probably at least four years that i had been had, that i had not traveled at least once or you know been on a plane once or twice in a week in yeah years man so like it's uh it's a weird weird i'm getting used to the stillness hence yeah. i'm doing eight million things all the time to try to keep myself busy and that's, that's like a common theme that I'm seeing among wrestlers during this period. They're like, I don't have anything to do and this feels weird. Like, they don't, they don't have their next flight to catch. They don't have their next match to think about. They don't have promos to even, th some of them do, some of them don't, but they, they don't have as much. And even the ones that do, they're going there for two days at a time and they're not coming back for two weeks for tapings. Like it's it, how how different is this for you, based on the lifestyle that you have been living, gosh, forever. I mean, yeah, it's it's the antithesis of everything I've done for the past couple of years. You know what I mean? Like it literally, because not only do we live in a crazy just work schedule from yeah from planes to the rental cars to the hotels to the gym to the building, like just the actual schedule is crazy, and then. The environment in which we work, our actual working environment is very frenetic. Yeah. The crowd, the cameras, lights, all this stuff. Then to go back and get on a plane to go home. Like the whole the whole lifestyle job, everything is frenetic and moving. And then to just have it all go is very <laughs> at the risk of sounding a little doom and gloom, like it's almost unsettling in yeah. some ways for someone you know, after years and years of doing that. Well, you kind of burst on the scene that a lot of people uh, discovered you through the VOD villains, but you were in FCW for a while before they made the changeover. Have you seen the FCW documentary that WWE put together? Oh, yeah. No, I did, and I loved it. Um, I thought – I was wondering how in-depth they were going to be able to get because like, it was such a weird and crazy time, and we were we were – you heard him say it, like so insulated and stuff. So I was like, are they going to get all the nuances or is this just going to kind of gloss over, hey, look at old developmental. Yes. But I loved hearing the stories of the guys and kind of reliving some of the stuff that I got to be a part of too. It was, I thought it was really cool. So you were a part of that transition over to NXT too. And I remember when it happened, I was like, what are they going to do? They're going to take the name of this old like reality game show and make it a, a developmental territory? How will this work out? When that transition was happening, like, how did you feel as a person who was on that roster? Did you think that major changes were in store at that point? Well, I mean, we had been hearing rumblings. So I came in right at the tail end of FCW. So I came in in February of 2012. And by that summer, we were planning the transition or, uh, already. Like, we were already hearing it. Um, and then by the next year, we, we were moving and everything. And so 
right within that first year I was there, there was rumblings of, yeah, hey, they're looking at places in Orlando. They're thinking about moving developmental. We're thinking about uh, here, you know, NXT. They're going to bring that name back in. So it was all like almost like the fans here. We just heard the rumblings about it and everything. And uh, it was exciting. It was a little nerve wracking. Um, you hear a lot of the guys would tell the stories about like OVW and Deep South when FCW opened. Like just, all right, I hear we're moving. Is this happening? And then you show up one day and they're like, all right. This is our last like day or two here. Uh, everybody go find apartments in Orlando kind of thing. So it was a little bit like, when's the hammer going to drop? But then uh, as they started to show us, I think when they started to show us like all the concepts for the performance center, when that, like when that actually like, Hey guys, here's what it's going to be. That was like, Oh, this isn't yeah. just, this isn't just skipping the rock to another developmental, you know, an hour down the road. Like we're doing some, some crap here. Like, it, it was pretty cool. And I was actually lucky. I was one of the first people to go kind of get to tour it before it was like set, set in stone and everything was done, done. I got to kind of uh, check it out a little bit. So once that stuff started happening, it was like, whoa. How involved was Triple H in those early days with people like you who who were developing and coming up? with? Did, did that come later on towards the end or was he as involved early on as uh, as he is maybe today? I mean, it ha- as far as I can tell, and I've obviously been regularly at NXT in a, in a couple of years, but honestly, it, I think obviously it has increased, but even back then, I mean, he was the one coming to Tampa to tell us, to give us a little bit, like, hey guys, here's where we're going to go. He was the one who was showing us the concepts for the Performance Center. He was leading us in the tours when we would go over there. He was there when we broke ground, all that kind of stuff. So like, it was, it is his baby. I mean, we all say that it is his his thing. He wanted to take it from that FCW island into itself developmental and turn it into what it is today. So, and he was there at every TV, every takeover. So while the production and the brand itself has grown, so his involvement has grown, he was always there on the ground floor. So you, you all have the VOD villains gimmick. Was that a pitch that you all had, or was that brought to you? I mean, you had, you had acting experience, you had studied acting, Oh, of course, Simon had had that look, that unique, the, the unique look that helped set it off as well. How did that come about? So that like that's kind of a funny thing. So I, the story I've never gotten the full full like details story, but the story we were pretty much told was um, so I remember at the time I had just kind of finished up that run uh, I was doing with the singing and like I had a thing with uh, big cast. Uh, we had a little thing back and forth. And so I had kind of finished that and they were looking for things for me to do. And Simon was at the time, I believe doing like the Rosebud kind of thing. He was out there, uh, part of that. And this, again, the story I'm told is that at NXT TV, Triple H had, had seen Simon with, with his mustache. And I give him credit. He would always show up to television looking good, bow tie, the, uh, waxed up mustache. So he was always on, always on gimmick. And so Hunter saw him. It was like, that's such a unique look. Here's English over here. We're looking for something for him. And he's got this whole performer, singer, dancer, whatever kind of entertainment character. What is there something there? Is the story I was told. Basically, is there anything with those two as a team? And so coaches are kind of run up to us the next day, like, hey, this is the this is an idea from the boss. Come up with a concept and uh and we'll talk to like Dusty and, and people about it. And so we, we kind of, we kind of just 
threw her hands up and said, okay. And uh, everyone kept talking about vaudeville and black and white old school stuff. So I, yeah, I just went home and was like, vaudeville, what kind of vaudeville stuff? Well, we're going to be bad guys, I bet. Vaude- we'll be villains, vaudevillains. That's cheesy and funny. Let's try it. And uh, they loved the name. And we just kind of each week and day was just kind of picking it up from there. So when you were you were told that, you were like, hell yeah, full steam ahead. I mean, it, I wasn't sure. So I had never, at that point, I was still so young in my career in general, let alone in, in NXT and WWE. Didn't, didn't you get signed like after a few months of debuting? I mean, I got, so I had my wrestling training. I paid to take Steve Kern's school that he was hosting basically on the side while running FCW. I moved down <laughs> to Tampa to live in a stranger's house to take a three-month course taught by Norman Smiley that, yeah. So wow. uh, I was I just took it because I'm like, I wanted to learn the WWE style and learn it from people who, who have been there. So Norman Smiley was the coach down there, and we had a great relationship. Three-month course, I came home to Chicago, and then six months later, I got I got in touch with uh, TR. Excuse me, TR got in touch with me, and Norman called me and just said uh, that he had, he's like, I can't promise anything because they were asking about people from my classes I recommend. And I put you over and uh, he's like, I don't know if anything will come of it, but he goes, be on the lookout. And sure enough, TR kind of kept in touch. I exchanged some stuff back and forth and and they took, honest to goodness, they took a chance. Uh, I was six months out of wrestling school and uh, they took a chance on me and God, thank God they did. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so Vaudevillains was my first tag team. So I was a little like, how does this work? So this was new for me too. So did you have a tryout or anything, or did they just they sign you based on the recommendation? I mean, based on the recommendation, my communication, that's, no. I never I never did. I, that's I amazing. Both, yeah, grateful, and like, I wish I would have gone through it, because I think it's a good experience. I never went through the, the cold, dark matches at TV in front of the talent, and, you know, that, that stuff, that is nerve-wracking. I've seen a lot of guys do it. That is a hard, hard thing to do. So I, I absolutely don't envy anybody who has to go through that. Yeah, like one of the things I love to do in my interviews is ask people about like extra work they do or enhancement matches. And when I was looking up more stuff on you, I was like, he got signed like real quick. Like it was, it was amazing. Like you, you, sometimes you'll see people get recruited in and brought in cold to the performance center. But I mean, usually people with that wrestling experience, even they, they didn't get signed that quick. So that's kind of an amazing ascent right there. And so you were learning on the, I mean, literally learning on the job a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, even after in that time between when I left the wrestling school, left Norman smiling and everything, and then got signed. I mean, again, it was six, seven months and I didn't know a whole lot about wrestling. I was here in Chicago wrestling. I think I was maybe once a month, you know what I mean? Like yeah. at, at local shows here. So I wasn't getting a ton of extra experience. No, like I, I fully admit that like I had a great uh, kind of set of timing. And like I said, I just had a great relationship with Norman to the point where he, you know, he put me over and, uh, and obviously it resonated with the right person. And, and they, 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 they took a shot. You all were a part of like this, this just Genesis in the NXT tag division. Cause no disrespect to the Ascension, but a lot of times they would have to, bring in like too cool or other teams to work with them during that reign. And then it's like, right. As soon as they came up, you had American alpha and the vaude villains and Blake and Murphy and the revival. And 
it was just this, this explosion that a lot of us had not seen in NXT. Do you, was that like a concerted effort? Do, do you think that they said, okay, we got we got to switch things up and instantly make this tag team division something special, or did it was it just happenstance? I mean, it, it's the answer is kind of both. I mean, I think there was a concerted effort to kind of all right, especially at you know the Ascension had such that long reign, which is great, but it's like all right, at some point we want some variety here. Like th- th- this is cool to have a streak, but we want we need to introduce some new people. And so when they decided to, you know, take the championships off them and they wanted, I think, reinvigorate the tag division, but then it also happened to be just kind of happenstance of, you know, again, Simon had gotten there and now we have this unique presentation. Blake and Murphy were working like they were two guys looking for something and we, they were working kind of on NXT house shows as kind of an unknown, unnamed tag team, just kind of just working. Um, then you have like the revival Dash and Dawson were, they were, I will give them 100%, they were hardcore working to be to be what they've always claimed to be, which is the best tag team ever. They were working on that from day one. They wanted to do stuff like that. And then uh, and then you had Ed Zero and Cass, which was this incredible pairing, this incredible entertainment unit. So it was a combination of timing, effort, and just magic. I mean, obviously, you and Simon have incredible work ethic. I mean... One of my favorite live experiences was I, I got to see, I think it was at the Arnold Sports Festival. I saw you all do a series of matches, and some of them were, were with American Alpha as singles. And I got to watch you all like do what you do, and you all obviously had a little more freedom there. And it was it was so cool to watch you all like perform and then go in and chain wrestle and then go back to the performance aspect of it. Meanwhile, like... You or Jason Jordan would be just cheesing it up with fans that were crowded around this ring. Like it was, it was such an amalgamation of everything that is pro wrestling. But have you, at that point in that performance center, did you ever see anybody and you were like, "Oh my god, that person's going to be a gigantic star." There's going to be no denying them. Like they, they maybe they naturally had it, so to speak. Ooh, that's 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 really good. That's tough. Um, I mean. There's guys like, I mean, he had like a Finn Balor who, I mean, obviously his rep, uh, resume preceded him, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I knew him as the wrestler, but as coming in, he had this, one of those people, presence, right? Uh, Fergal's yeah. just got this, when, when he turns it on, he's got that demeanor, that face and everything like that. So it was just like, the guy's jacked, handsome, talented, like, like, and even though like, he wasn't. He doesn't cut a ton of super long promos, but he has just this, this smoldering like presence. So like him, you knew it was like he's gonna blow through NXT. He's gonna be a star. Kevin Owens, the same thing. He's got so much charisma, confidence, and attitude, and knows exactly who he is. And that's the thing. So many people in NXT, and I'm one of them. I fully admit it. Everyone was figuring their stuff out, right? And so, but some of those guys came in. And like Kevin's a great example, knows who he is, sticks to it and blows people away. Yeah. Like it's just, he knows exactly who he is. And that comes from his, from years of experience and just look, this is who I am and you're going to love me or hate me, but it's going to work. It's going to get your attention. It's always amazing to me how people like Kevin Owens, who anybody who's interacted with him knows he is a great person, like a, a wonderful moral compass or moral gauge in the wrestling industry. And he is able to play an asshole so fantastically 
<laughs> it's 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 always really great to see that. And again, those Arnold Sports Festival shows, I got to see a little bit of that. Like for example, Jason Jordan would be talking with a fan. And you would walk by that same fan, and they're like, Jason, talk to me. And you would go, well, I'm not as nice as him. And then you would, like, walk off and heal him. Like, that stuff is, you would see everybody putting things together in NXT, and you would see these glimpses of what's to come. You had mentioned how Finn doesn't cut, like, super long promos. It seems like that has phased out quite a bit over the last couple of years. Like, we don't necessarily see, like, the 15-minute monologues. They're, like, five 10 minutes. What do you think contributed to that? Or, or is that even something that's, that's been on, on the radar, so to speak? I mean, I, it could be a number of things. I would most likely attribute it to a lot of the stuff NXT has done over the last couple of years. They, you know, there was obviously a huge emphasis on in-ring action in NXT, Mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe raw or SmackDown, which often did start with those longer segments and stuff like that. And I think as NXT has exploded, a lot because of all the in-ring talent and all the focus on long well, matches and athleticism and stuff like that, which the whole wrestling world was moving towards anyway. Mm-hmm. And so NXT was just broadening that and capitalizing on that. I think the whole company as a whole saw that and was like, okay, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more of this, a little less of this. And they're just kind of following that trend. When you all were a part of those famed NXT promo classes, how did those focus? Did those focus on more, more short stuff or did they focus on like long, long monologues or maybe a bit of both? So um, it depended nine times out of 10 though, a regular promo day or whatever you wanted to call it. Uh, Dusty, whatever your typical thing was, you got a minute, mm-hmm. right? That was his, there's leeway and stuff like that. If you go 80 seconds or whatever, but I mean, he didn't like it generally speaking when people just went for three, four minutes because his whole thing was like, you got the red light turns on and goes, and we're on TV. You're lucky if you get a minute, like in a backstage or something like that. We've the got an elevator pitch. Else. Yeah. You go, yeah. you've got the light turns on. You got 60 seconds to tell me who you are and what you're doing. What's your goal, whatever the segment is and get it across. It's, it's economy of words and, and emotion. So nine times out of 10, it was minute promos, but every so often we would do either skits or presentations that were a little bit different, but usually 60 seconds was the button. So you all got called up. What was your reaction to hearing that that you you would that for sure it was happening? Because I know that you all had kind of heard like, oh, this might be happening. Because I know that Enzo and Cass were brought up too. But when when you're told definitively you're coming up, what was your reaction to that? I mean, it was that was the moment. You're right. Like usually around that time, uh, you you do you start to hear the rumblings of who who's going to go. You get a feeling, everyone's getting hints and stuff like that, but you don't know until you know. And that was also the time that they, I'm not sure if it was either the breaking ground or something, but they were filming some of the guys getting called up, like Enzo and Cass, you know, Hunter telling them and people like that. And so a lot of that would happen on either like the Friday or at NXT TakeOver the night before WrestleMania. Like everyone kind of found out. Like I remember Baron Corbin found out he was going to be in that Battle Royal, like on either Friday or Saturday night. And so like, we're kind of seeing, wait, and then Friday passes, Saturday passes, and we don't get told anything. We're like, oh, damn, like, may- maybe it's not our time, uh, which we were fine with. We, we were happy in NXT, so, but then uh, Sunday morning, we're all getting dressed up to go as a group, uh, as NXT to WrestleMania. We get a call from TR to meet 
meet them in uh, Gorilla at WrestleMania. And then that's that's when we were told. So that was, uh, it was kind of cool to be in like, I think it was my first time actually in the Gorilla position at a WrestleMania, which it's like a weird small thing, but it's like, yeah, that's kind of a cool, it was kind of a cool little environment to be told uh, where, what's going to happen. So, I mean, that was, that was the goal, man. That was, it was incredibly exciting. Now, I did watch your interview with Louis Dangor, and you talked about the, the accident that happened with Enzo Amore. So I encourage people to check that out. But I'm interested to, to hear if you have seen, are aware of, or know about the most infamous YouTube video of all time that pops up in everybody's recommendations. Simon Gotch buries Enzo Amore. Um, I probably did. Like, I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm sure it's popped up, and I'm sure I've watched it. It's been a while, but I'm sure I did. Like, that thing, it's it's like the running joke of anybody who uses YouTube. Like, that thing pops up. It's got 1.4 million views. Like, right now, if Roman Reigns does a segment on Raw, WWE's lucky if their YouTube gets 1.4 million for that. And that's not, not a shot at Roman Reigns. Can, can I get you to just bury somebody? You're, you're, I mean, you're very, you can bury Big Cass if you want. Oh, why would I want? I love Big Cass. I mean, I, like, I'll bury my cat who wakes me up at two in the morning. Um, can it be called uh, Big Cats? Can I? Can I like put? Yeah. In, like, like, Drama King Matt buries Big Cats, and I'm just gonna like misspell it on on purpose. That way, it says Big Cass, and then I, I'll yeah. issue a retraction and say it, it I, I like, meant yeah, Big Cats. Well, it's like you could, you could just treat it like those uh, those fake Instagram accounts that look like live Morgan WWE yes. but it's spelled with a W instead of a V or something like that. Yeah. Just try just get him with the one spelling error. Yeah, like it, that thing would pop up all the time and everybody knows about it. The the guy that does Botchamania, I saw him at at in Vegas last year and he had a shirt with the thumbnail printed on it that says Simon Gotch buries Enzo Amore. <laughs> of course he did. And then wisely Wisely, the people that interviewed Enzo after he left, they got him to bury Simon Gotch. So now that one's got like 500,000 views. It's all about SEO. It's all about searching and optimization. It's click, click, click. Click through. I heard a theory, and I don't know if you would agree with this. And I I mean, you're familiar with SEO, right? Search engine optimization, all that. Somebody had pitched the idea that WWE is doing this greatest wrestling match ever with Orton and Edge. That way, when you search, what is the greatest wrestling match ever, WWE Backlash 2020 comes up. And I'm like, you know what? That's brilliant. Because Okada Omega (laughs) isn't going to come up anymore. Yeah. It's going to be Edge and Orton. I was like, that's some next level stuff. Hey, I mean, that's what that, that's the people. I mean, their departments, the tech, social, that's where it's at, man. You got to, you got to get those searches, get those clicks. I mean, I, my, my thing is, I'm pretty convinced, and this is kind of a, a, a dive off, but I've always been convinced if it doesn't happen in, in the next 10 years, I will be shocked. But I think television ratings are going to go away. Mm-hmm. I think Nielsen is going to maybe be around with something, but I think advertising dollars are going to be spent on trending hashtags and things like SEO and stuff like that. So TV ratings, I think, are going to get less and less important. So these, everyone talking about, oh, raw, lowest numbers ever. It's like, yeah, maybe, but there's 8 billion things to watch right now. So, but people are still talking 
about XYZ a ton yeah. on the internet and eyeballs are there. So that's where I think all advertising and, and media is going. That's why I look at like Facebook views, YouTube views for Raw, SmackDown, stuff like that, because it gives me a nice indication of who's going out of their way to see what in particular, or like, like as opposed to the quarter hours when realistically not every segment actually starts and ends on the quarter hour. So it's, it's hard for me to say, oh, well, this segment lost this when it didn't start and end at that time. It could have been any number of variables that, right. that contribute to that. How – how interactive were WWE's social media team or people with you guys? Like, were there anything that they were like, okay, yeah, we want you to put this out there. We don't want you to put this out there. Um, I mean, it would depend. Uh, most often it was just, I mean, if they needed you, like if you were taking part in some kind of media campaign, say you helped film a commercial for Snickers or something like yeah. that, they might be like, hey, the campaign launches on Friday. Could you just please do a tweet and like they would never like nobody's ever saying you have to send this tweet it was always, yeah. always like hey here's a link just tell people to buy you know check out the commercial or and enjoy snickers or something like that um and then obviously the more kind of stuff you were doing with that um the better occasionally if it was part of the tv program we're like hey we want to kind of get this match set up via twitter like we sometimes do like challenge accepted kind of uh tweets and stuff like that you were obviously given that they would uh, either see you at tv or call you or text you things like that but it was pretty loose-handed if it was on your own personal social media have you muted the word milwaukee yet <laughs> no man milwaukee i love it man oh god that was that was like c movie gold i you know you just got to embrace it we were trying to think of conspiracy theories on our post show and we were like is he going to reveal that Lana joined the Kenosha Kickers from Home Alone 1? They were on their way to Milwaukee in that movie. Like, that's that's what happened. John Candy has something to do with this. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't play out like that. But, I mean, Rusev Day was one of the highlights of SmackDown every single week. And I've heard you mention uh, on other interviews how organically that got over. That was, that was a part of it because – like I got early access to one of those calendars they put out. They didn't even put them out till February, but they were like, "We got to get these out now. We don't care that we're a month into the year. This is hot right now. Let's do it." How did that feel when you were a part of something like this? You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them 
to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. That was, I, I want to say categorically different than the VOD villains, but obviously a major performance aspect there too. How did that feel when you were like, okay, this is catching fire? I mean, it was it was unreal. Like that was the coolest thing. That was the first time in my career. Like, and people loved the VOD villain stuff. So, you know, they, they got into it, but. Going out, I mean, on live events and like, especially like internationally and stuff like that, going out and doing that <clears throat> and having everybody either cheer or boo or whatever it was and like just every word you're saying, you're saying and then hanging on it, it's an unreal feeling. How often do you have people that, I mean, maybe you, you've monetized this as well, that ask you to do their intros, that ask you to do voicemails, that ask you to do this and that because that is now an iconic entrance. I mean, that's my whole pitch for like my cameo page yeah. <laughs> or whatever. It was just like, Hey man, yeah. Make any day your day, you know, for, but no, a ton of personal video messages and, or friend, I know friends who've had kids or something who are fans. And so I've recorded God, hundreds of like happy birthdays and insert someone's name. Uh, it's actually, it's a ton of fun. I love that cameo is taken off uh, by the way, cameo. I- I'm not plugging them, but you've got one. So I'll plug it. Uh, but I've I've had people like Matt Hardy say like yeah this is a major revenue stream for me at this point and for people like you or Matt Hardy that that have those type of characters that were so verbal in execution man that's 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 an awesome avenue for fans to be able to go down oh yeah it's it's just this growing digital marketplace it makes everything so easy and stuff like that and yeah just a simple way to get like your that that was something so unfathomable even 10 years ago yeah 15 like, like hey for a couple bucks or whatever it is like i can get any almost any celebrity to like say my name and say happy birthday or good luck or whatever it is like it's such a simple concept but we just never saw it executed until now and it was even around a few years ago with like celeb vm or whatever it was but cameo right. cameo was really smart and they marketed it really well and and just made it blow up uh you and rusev obviously blew up one of the more popular acts on smackdown uh that experience working with with rusev and lana it came to an end but you all had a fantastic run when when they had told you hey it is coming to an end how did you feel about that do you think there was still more meat on the bone there oh my god yeah absolutely and we we all we all thought so i know me me and rusev uh, absolutely. We wanted to ride that thing till the wheels fell off. And I, I thought, I really thought we could have had something. I'm, I've said this before. I'm not going to besmirch them at all. Like sure. something akin to like a new day thing. Like here, are these guys with these super kind of over the top characters coming from, they came in and were heels, but they were so entertaining. They became baby faces and they had a lot of longevity. And I thought, well, not the same thing. And like, here we are, we're presented as these bad guys but people are into our act. Maybe we could bounce back and forth as time goes on and stuff like that. And like, I think there's a lot of longevity here. So I really, we both really wished it would have been able to have a longer life for me. Yeah. The stuff you all did with new day was some of my, my favorite stuff that was going on there. Even like to, to your match with, with Xavier on TV. I can't remember what tournament it was, but I feel like it was in a tournament. Uh, like I, I just, when I saw those two acts on TV, it's like, all right, there might be titles on the line. There might be this. There might be that. 
this is going to be entertaining. Like, I just knew that there was going to be entertaining things. And for Rusev, that I feel like that helped open up his range an awful lot because we didn't see a lot of that side until he was with you all. And that seems like what made him more popular than anything was that side of him coming out. Was that something that he was, like, aching to do, or was he nervous to do that? No, I didn't. Miro, that, that's Miro. You know what I mean? Like, he's so... I've known him since FCW, and, like, he is. He's this big, gregarious, funny guy. <laughs> jokes all the time and everything like that. So, yes, I mean, he was dying to be able to do something like that. And Lana had some acting experience, too. I mean, was that something that you all ever talked? Did you all ever, like, talk acting experience or stage work or anything? No, not really, because, I mean, I had done a lot of, like, theater, and mm-hmm. she had done mostly, like, film and, like, TV stuff. So, no, it never really came up, cause, and plus we were just so busy and so much having fun making yeah. all those segments. Yeah, I remember, like, the, the cast of Pitch Perfect would show up in L.A. and support her at SummerSlam. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's cool. And I'm I'm surprised WWE never capitalized on stuff like that, like Lana's appearing in Pitch Perfect and all, and all that stuff. I, I was always very surprised about that. Now, as I, I go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just saying. No, I know, I agree. I remember I tried to get, uh, I tried to start a Twitter war with another Pitch Perfect star, that Skylar Aston, uh, yeah, for WrestleMania when and when we were in New Orleans. I was trying to get something like that on television. Yeah, he's. I'm pretty sure he's a big wrestling and MMA fan. Huge, I remember huge. I hear him talk about MMA an awful lot. He used to be on like Ariel Hawani's show and stuff, and and, and talk about that. So the the split happens and the feud happens. Even I thought the feud like could have been longer. It could have like I felt like everything could have been drawn out and and made just a little bit better because we were all so emotionally invested in you guys as personalities and performers and all that. Like we didn't just want to see it go away. And if it was going to go away, we wanted a big reason why. We wanted a big explanation why. And um, were, were there any other pitches along the way? Did anybody say, yeah, maybe we should keep them together or maybe we should draw this out? I mean, I don't know. Like I said, we we had kind of fought together about, like, can we keep this going? Can we keep this going? But it was just came down from on high. You know, they, you know, it's coming to an end. And it was like, okay, we, we tried, and that's fine. But I, And I remember, all right, if it's going to end, I'm like, all right, well, let's do something big with it. Let's make it count. And I remember I had a lot of ideas for how I could take that and like make it work for me and for both of us and like have a chance for me to expand my character after that. It's just uh, some things, some things fly and some things don't. And unfortunately, a lot of the ideas I had just kind of kept hitting brick walls. What kind of experiences did you have with Vince McMahon personally, if any? I mean, I've heard that he's even tougher to, to get in contact with, so to speak. I heard a story about how Randy Orton, of all people, was supposed to have a contract meeting with him in April. He didn't really get to have it until, like, October. And I'm like, that's Randy Orton. <laughs> that's Randy Orton, yeah. man. Is, did you have it's, much experience in dealing with him interpersonally, whether it be feedback on the promos, the vignettes, or anything? Um, Not as – it's like we're like a little bit. Not as much as I wanted mm-hmm. and also that I should have made – time for like it is you hear a lot from guys i mean he's number one it's vince mcmahon it's intimidating just on who he is alone then he's incredibly busy uh especially in television is one chance you get with him one time a week because it's the only time you're going to see him 
Um, so he's really busy. He's trying to get the show together. He's super passionate. So like sometimes, you know, he is, he's all involved in this segment trying to make it work. So he doesn't have time to talk with everyone or he's in meetings with writers. And, but he, by the way, he's still the CEO. So he's got phone calls from that stuff going on. So knocking on that door and getting in that room in one television day, which is already fizzy is really hard. But I will say the guys who are more very successful make it a point to get that rapport and get that regular contact. That's something on me that I wish I would have tried a little harder at, I'll be honest. But um, but I did get a couple of chances of kind of having one-on-ones with him. And all that just is like, once you're in there, once you can get that time, once that's the hardest part, figuring out. Once you're in that room with him, eye to eye, he's intense. And if he's feeling strong about something, he was, he's, he doesn't mince words. Yeah. But he's on the level. He's real. He tries to make whatever he can work for you. And he's, he's, he's just a guy at the end of the day. Like that sounds so cheesy and banal, but like, but he is, he's, once you're talking to him, he's not so intimidating. It's just getting in there and, and breaking that ice and getting, you know, getting it started. So many people know about your, your real life marriage to Shaw Guerrero, who is a fantastic performer in her own right. Was there ever any thought about integrating that on screen? Because I, I remember uh, somebody gave me a request one time. They're like, how would you book Aiden English? And I was like, well, man, I would play into that. You've got a family full of performers, and he's an outstanding performer in his own right. Like, there there are unlimited resources there, and I don't know many people who could pull off that type of range like you could from intimidating to intimidated and like, was there ever any thought about trying to, to make something like that happen? Well, so we, we've discussed it back and forth, but you know, both when, when she was still in the business and like, even just after just like, is that something we'd ever want to do? Like, and I, the one thing I'll say in entertainment, especially in wrestling, never, ever say never. I'll yes. say that first. So the possibility is always there. Um, I always went back and forth on it. You know, the people who worked with their spouses, and I think it's great if you can. But I always am a huge fan of those trying to find balance in my life. And I, the one thing I would always be worried about is just like, I don't want my work. Like, I don't want our at-home life to just become about work. Sure. I like that little bit of that separation. Like, now we're home. I don't want to have to be planning our, like, our characters. And what do we want to be saying or our promo next week? So it's kind of nice to have that separation. So for the people who can do that, fantastic. And Maybe with the right, you know, setup and effort, we could do that too. But I always, I always like to keep a little bit of that work-life balance. Sure. I remember somebody. I think it was you had been on a TV losing streak, and they're like, "Oh well, how could how could they turn it around?" And I was like, "Well, if Chavo is willing to come on TV, him saying you represent our family now, you better not lose." <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, oh, damn!" Like that, that's a Don't thing. Don't put that pressure on me, real it's, or fake. It's, oh my God. Exactly. Like that's the thing. It's like he intimidates you into winning all these matches and you're like, I'm not, I'm not messing with that family. Like I don't, I don't want to upset the family in wrestling. Like I just thought there were such, such cool things there. And like I mentioned, Shaw is such a good performer too. Uh, that was, that was the thing that she always had a knack for. I was really happy to see her do some more stuff. Uh, I think she came back for the ladies night out stuff for title match wrestling. And did some ring announcing there, which uh, I always loved those shows as well. But you kind of expanded, did some commentary. How were you informed that you'd be heading to the commentary booth? So that was that was simply an option presented to me. 
And uh, that's something people don't always understand. Everyone, you know, was asking, are you hurt? Are you retired? You know, is someone punishing you? That those are the, the three questions always coming up, but no, quite, quite simply, Tom Phillips had come to me and, uh, thought he said, Hey man, I think you'd be good at this. Uh, do you want to give it a shot? I'm like, I'm not telling you not to wrestle, but I just yeah. come out, come down to the PC and try it with me sometime. And that was right after like the Rusev day stuff. And so like, I wasn't really doing much at the time. And so I'm like, we talked about, I like doing something. I got to stay busy. And so when you're at those times, when you're kind of on a, on a dip creatively, I'm looking for something to do. And this looks, you know what, let me sink my teeth into something. So, I went to the PC and uh, did a call, called a couple matches and stuff. Thought it went well and figured, all right, that's it. I'll see you maybe in six months. We'll do this again. And then uh, sure enough, the next week at TV, Michael Cole says, we're going to put you on 205 Live for the next few months and we'll see how it goes. And I went, okay. <laughs> and you were really positively received. Where did How did you feel about getting that type of instant reaction where people were like, okay, I like what this guy's doing here. That was, it was, it was great. And one of the best parts about it was you got not only like feedback just from the audience and people saying, Hey, I like what you're doing, but it's one of the few teams in wrestling where you get direct feedback, just like from your coworkers and and your superior, which in my case was Michael Cole. So I've said this before, but as a wrestler, it can sometimes be tough because there's producers, there's writers and everything like that. But at the end of the day, the boss man is making all the final calls, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon. And like I said, sometimes it's hard to get to him. And if he's your direct superior, it can be frustrating to not get that feedback. So here I am doing commentary and every single week, Michael Cole is literally in gorilla listening. He's feeding me some notes. He's talking to us afterward. I have his phone number. I can, you know, Tom Phillips is also like an assistant manager for a manager for uh, on-air talent. So he's telling me, we're watching tape together. So it was this kind of refreshing, like, Oh, I'm getting constant like feedback, what to do, what not to do, how to get better. And so they, people like that helped me. Vic Joseph, Nigel McGinnis were huge. God, I love those guys so, so much. I can't say enough good things about that whole team, but those two guys who helped break me in, especially, but yeah, just had a really great environment uh, from a professional standpoint. A few months later, you got the call to do Worlds Collide, and you worked with Cassius Ono, Chris Hero. That that series was so cool. Like I, I liked that it. it created a lot of matches that I didn't think that I would see. And you hadn't been in the ring for a couple months. Has, is that your most recent match at this point? Yeah, technically it is. Wow. So, first off, when's the last time you ever you you've never went over a year without wrestling, right? No, not since, I mean, since I started in, what, 2011? So, yeah, yeah the last nine years, no. And you made it clear on Twitter that your in-ring career is not over. I remember people would ask you, and you just put, no, it's not over. Because, you know, like you said, a lot of people would think, are you hurt? What, what might have happened? So, at that point, did you think that you were still going to be in the ring pretty regularly when they, they asked you to do Worlds Collide? I didn't know. So I remember, at, like, like you said, the way it started was basically Tom and Michael had said, you'll be on 205 Live between, at that point, it was January and WrestleMania. And we'll see what happens. He goes, and after that, if you want to stick with it, you can keep going. Or if you want, you know, want to be done with us, you, that's totally cool. Let's just try this out. And so they were saying I could still wrestle at the time. But once I kind of started doing the commentary, 
unbeknownst to me or whatever, I kind of, they stopped booking me on live events and I wasn't obviously wrestling on television. So I was like, okay, I think they kind of have me in this category now, which at the time I was fine because I was really embracing the, the opportunity. Yeah. But then, the, yeah, the World's Collide thing kind of came out of uh, out of the blue. I was, I was expecting just to be calling matches and doing that stuff all week for WrestleMania. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I So <laughs> I, I loved the opportunity because I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm, I am still itching to, to wrestle again. So I didn't know what that meant, like, in the large scheme of things. I think it was, it was always just seen as a one-off. But I always find that match funny because that was all billed as NXT past versus present. But I was in NXT with Cassius Ono in 2012, so like we're both yeah. kind of like NXT past, even though I know he came back. But that's I just awesome. always thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, can like, couldn't we each like, can he wrestle somebody like real? I don't know. It just seemed a little odd to me. Yeah, that, man, that, that's weird for me to think that you all were both there in 2012. Like, that didn't even really cross my mind. That's in pretty fact, awesome. He came into FCW like three weeks after I did. Oh wow! So we were like started together. That is amazing how that all all unfolds. Well, this year, unfortunately, you and Rusev were both part of, of some of the downsizing. What kind of feedback did you get there, or did you get any? I get the feeling you all are on good terms. I never hear you say anything really bad about WWE. I don't hear anybody in WWE say anything bad about you. So, I mean, it seems like there's still a very amicable relationship there. Yeah, no, there's no hard feelings, and um, there's no anything like that. It was, I mean, it you kind of heard all the news that day. I mean, tons, not just the ta- on-screen talent, but furloughs, you know, mm-hmm. employees being let go, corporate, behind-the-scenes stuff, too. So, like, it affected everybody. There, I don't think there was a single person, both, again, in, in front of and behind the camera, who was, like, anyone who was let go, because, all right, we just don't like this or don't have anything for these people. It was just, I know, it, I know the people who were letting people go, and mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to them on that day and stuff like and that was a hard day for them like sure and and that's for people whose pretty regular part of their job is to inform people of stuff like that but that one where it was so kind of boom and holy crap we're doing this many this many people it was a hard day for for everybody there and rusev was one of them gone i mean he had been very very clear about contract disputes in like over the last few months it much like you, he's going to be a guy that succeeds in whatever he tries to do. There's when you've got that type of personality, it really shines through. He's involved in uh, Twitch. You're involved in Twitch. Are we gonna see any crossover? Any crossover here? Hey, I I I love the idea. I gotta get a lot better at Call of Duty though before something <laughs> like that happens because I have tried it and I have died within the first ten seconds probably every time I drop in. So, but the the possibility is absolutely there. So you're like Mickey Rourke and the wrestler playing Call of Duty. Yeah. Oh, I if I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, like it's and and Twitch is another avenue. It's like. Can't believe this wasn't around 10 years ago type of thing. You're involved in that. You've got YouTube. Uh, how, how has this adjustment been? I mean, I know you were doing some YouTube stuff even like a year ago. You were doing Q&As. I remember covering those. Uh, how has that adjusted in the last couple of months for you? For me, it's just it's picked up just because after, you know, after I got released and then in, in conjunction with just being at home from all the pandemic stuff, obviously – it kind of forced me. I'm like, all right, well, let's look into other hobbies or avenues or different things we can do. So 
I just jumped into the kind of I, I I loathe the term content creator because it's been too. so overused. But but that kind of a, a an angle, you know, I'm going to keep really dive into my whiskey stuff, into the YouTube, into the Instagram. I do love games, and I've never really embraced it. Now I've got more time, so jumping onto the Twitch thing, um, doing doing all kinds of stuff. I I really do get a kick out of it. I enjoy that kind of work. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and it seems like you're doing well at it. You, there are so many different opportunities right now. Again, I hate the term too, but to create content and get yourself out there that if there were people that were like, you know what, I wanted to see more of Aiden English on WWE programming, they can tune in and see Matt all the time. They can see you talk about things that you're passionate about. They can see you play games that you're passionate about or maybe that you're terrible at and die at in 10 seconds too. Uh, I mean, that can be a benefit. I had somebody watch me try to win a wrestling match as The Miz on 2K for two hours one night. Was, <laughs> it was very difficult. It was very difficult. Not surprised they're taking a year off of that game after playing it for yes. a while. <laughs> but, like, are, are there any things that in this time off you have come to learn, damn, I'm really passionate about this? Because as we've mentioned, when you find a passion, you jump into it. So... I mean, like I said, so the whiskey thing I've just embraced even more and just spreading it, not only just whiskey, like spirits in general, mezcals, tequilas, rums, gins, things like that. So that that's a whole thing. But the funny thing, like jumping into this Twitch thing. So like, I, I love, like a lot of people, I love gaming in general. Like I've always been a PlayStation guy and stuff. But as I've gone into this, it hasn't started yet, but you will. I'm like, this is bringing out my inner like tech geek. Like yeah. I love... I love like toys, like equipment, setups, lighting, de- you know, desks, uh, monitors, microphone. Like I, I nerd out so hard after ha- and having a cool setup, a cool TV, well, everything you know, well designed. So as I start to build that, I'm already started a, a nut. God, I started. I've completely. Forgot, I started another YouTube channel. <laughs> um, Tell us about focus, it. That, so that one, it, I literally just started it like last week. So the web address is still literally like Y2V36XYZ. <laughs> yeah. But if you look up Drama King Matt on YouTube, I've got like two videos, but that's going to document my like Twitch and tech journey. Nice. Like how I'm going to set up my new room and when it, whenever, oh my God, when I get into building a PC or something like that, I'm both excited and intimidated to do. Like yeah. I'll document that stuff. So like that's another thing that I've really, I'm going to have fun diving into. I mean, look at people like Stevie Richards. Like, I wouldn't have expected him to be so into tech stuff and even yoga. And I see him posting stuff all the time, and he's got a great following as a result. Uh, I'm with you. Like, the setups, we're moving next year, so I don't want to invest too much in this office. But, like, when people that were on my fight team, a wrestling team, come over, they see three monitors and a TV, and one of them said I had the Zordon set up from Power Rangers. (laughs) And I was like... Damn, I do. I feel like I'm about to assign somebody like like a mission or something like that. Oh yeah. I, I like to leave on a positive note. So as we wrap up, what WWE producers stood out to you as somebody that specifically helped you? Like maybe something that that like it helped click with you. Maybe somebody that maybe gave you some more guidance than than one of the others. Oh God, I've had so many, and I'm going to include like 
because it was such, I'm going to include NXT trainers in that too, mm-hmm. just because it was such a big part and like they sure. produced so much great shows. You can bury um, them too if you want. It'd be a great headline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> English buries Norman Smiley. Yes. Something no one has ever said in the history of wrestling. The big wiggle then, was terrible. <laughs> no. Um, I'm going to start with him just because he, he set my career on the path. It is like he, he's the one that told me, Hey, I, you know, I, I can't make any promises and everything, but whatever he said, obviously resonated with someone. And he's the reason I'm here. And then even after that continued to be one of the most positive and like, intelligent and well-spoken and most just giving men that I've ever had the ability to train under um, guys. Like, I mean, Arne Anderson was great. Uh, I had, I had a great, great relationship with uh, Billy Gunn when he was at NXT, he had such a great approach to teaching that I thought that I think is very, very uh, important. He kind of showed you how to have fun with it all. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to say this almost begrudgingly. And if he sees this, he'll know why, but uh, I have a, a love for Terry Taylor. Okay. Who, um, who a lot of people have butted heads with. And I did too. Cause like he's, he can be very opinionated and he has very, he comes from that old school kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so funny. He's like your parents because mm-hmm. you're, he's sitting there, he's raising you as a wrestler and you're fighting your, no, why can't I do this? Why is it a bad idea? Why are you telling me it's not a good idea to do this? I think that's crazy. That's so old. That's from your generation. And you grow up and you go and you perform on all these stages and you go, you, I mean, I'm still right, but hot damn. He was right about X, Y, and Z. Correct. That's like what that's what Moxley told me about about Michael Hayes. He said that I thought I was right so much, and he proved me wrong so many times. And I was like, "Damn!" And he said that he learned a lot doing that. Yes, exactly. And you're and some of it you're not going to learn until you just have enough experience, or you go out in those situations. You're like, "Oh, holy crap!" Like they were right. So that that was. That was a big eye-opening thing for me. So I do appreciate everything from him. Well, let the people know where all they can find you because, like I said a few times, you've got a lot going on right now. There there were some people that were disappointed because I'm a Kentuckian and I don't know a thing about bourbon. That's Well, see, you can you can log on to YouTube and I can yeah. teach you an awful lot. I, that's, that's where 100% of my bourbon and whiskey knowledge comes from is from your YouTube because I've never drank, but – Obviously, where I am, I mean, I'm literally 20 minutes from Bourbon County, so like, it's it's big out here. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's there are you know there are more barrels of bourbon aging in Kentucky than there are humans. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I could step outside and scream, and there are people that will will hear me, but they won't care. But yeah. if they see a barrel of bourbon rolling down the road, they're going to make sure that thing's saved. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's how it is out here. But, yeah, you've you got a lot of cool stuff. I've, I've loved seeing the stuff that you're producing, too. Like, even visually, it's a – I got to admit, bourbon's very pretty. So I see all your thumbnails, and I'm like, damn. Damn, that makes me want to watch it. You got, you got to. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, I got to keep up with it. There's a lot of it, like – bourbon like instagram pages and youtubes and the production values are they're pretty high i'm like holy crap like people people are working at this i gotta catch up oh yeah that, that's the same thing in the wrestling game like i can break all the news i want but i gotta put it in a pretty video now 
I'm like, damn. Now, now I see why my major switched from journalism to convergent media when I was in college. They wanted you to to kind of handle all that stuff. But uh, they can obviously follow you at Drama King Matt. Do you have a unique Twitch URL or anything like that? Uh, no, it's pretty much Drama King Matt or Wrestling okay. with Whiskey anywhere. Yeah, uh, you'll 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 end up finding me. Uh, Drama King Matt is Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and uh, YouTube, and then Wrestling with Whiskey. Same thing, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, yeah, and there, I, pay, I got a Patreon where I'm doing some exclusive oh, nice. uh, videos and some extra fitness content, so that's, that's under Wrestling with Whiskey as well. Guys, check him out. Matt, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I did not expect to take up so much of it, but thank you for being so awesome. I could, I could ask you like a million things. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Until next time, guys, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.